2: Give the best a slip. Step on a crack and break your mama's back. When a problem comes along, you must whip it before, before the cream sits out too
0: long.
2: What? Before the before cream the cream sits, sits out
1: too long. Hmm. What the hell is this song about?
2: I have no idea. I thought it was a mashup. I was thinking whip my hair because you know. Yes. Ganino. Ganino. Welcome, everybody. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for joining us on Thoughts That Rock. It is the podcast that is about exchanging two, not one, but two pieces of life-changing advice. We try and squeeze (laughs) it into about 30 minutes. This episode, we have a sponsor. We do. We do. You know what? I'd be disappointed if we didn't for this one. Who is it?
1: Because the three of us. Have some pretty fantastic hair. Mm -hmm. Uh, Today's episode's brought to you by Got To Be Glued. My favorite. Screaming hold creates stiff stand-up spikes and, (laughs) or, uninstructed messy look. Uninstructed? No. (laughs) How about unstructured messy look? (laughs) It's water-resistant. I know you know that. It's wind tunnel-tested, Jim. <laughs> tested to withstand intense conditions, including wind. We use it for what we like to call screaming holes Screaming right? hold. Spike grip chunk, as they like to say. Don't quite understand the last part, but Mm-mm. it's in their advertising, so nonetheless. The pack includes three six-ounce spiking hair glue tubes for a total of 18 ounces. You can get it on Amazon. It's got to be glued. Styling spiking
2: glue. It's hurricane-proof. Where do you get that? No, oh, it's CVS, it's per- Walgreens, yeah. or Walmart. <laughs> or, or just get it anywhere. Or whatever. <laughs> Thoughts at Rock Health support Cannibal Kids Cancer. We love those guys. They Doop. basically are fighting on behalf of mm. kids who have been told that mm. they've run out of options. And yep. they find and fund treatment options. They are absolutely amazing. If you're interested in helping out, you got to check them out at cannonballkidscancer.org. O-R-G.
1: If you like this, this show, mm-hmm. head on over. To somebody else's show? (laughs) To iTunes. (laughs) Let me finish. Sorry. Head on over to iTunes. Go into the little ratings tab. Go on over and just hover over the five stars. Give it a little clickety-click. And then be like, amazing. Mm -hmm. Or phenomenal. Mm Mind-blowing. Or whatever you want to write. But I'm just giving some suggestions. The the recommendations. Life-changing. Practical. Tactical. Whatever it is.
2: Yeah. And why would they do
1: that? Well, when they do that, it puts more eyeballs on our show. It makes me feel better. It it shoots us up the charts. Mm -hmm. I think we were like number 2300 in Canada this Uh, last week.
2: Yeah. Right. We'd like to break the 2000 number (laughs) if we could. If We could be (laughs) in the early.
1: Help us out, eh?
2: Yeah, that would be awesome. Listen, we know how busy you are. And just grabbing those moments, mm. those what we call little nuggets of wisdom. Really? That was to, weird. You said grabbing and I made a weird noise. I realized that.
1: Now. We'll edit it in okay. post.
2: It doesn't matter. Really. We're, we're trying to help people out. And we know you want to amp up your life personally, professionally. Yes. Which is why it really doesn't even matter what you're doing doesn't. right now. You could be, for instance, trying to replicate corn and crab chowder from Bonefish Grill. It's
1: mm, too hot.
2: Maybe you're still counting absentee ballots. Yeah, Gal Gore. Maybe you're making out with an NFL cheerleader. <laughs> 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 yeah. She's happy about that. That's not how we make out, <laughs> just <laughs> for the record. Whatever. Sounds like it to me. We just want to be the 30 minutes you've been looking forward to all week. Let's do this. Bye. bye <laughs> Our guest today is our great friend, Mike Ganino, who is a speaker, he's an author, a podcaster, a storytelling and communication expert whose uh, hairstyle, I think, rivals our own. First off, Mike, welcome to Thoughts That Rock.
0: Thank you. And you know, anytime that uh, someone is around you too, and there is a a hair shout out. It is a true <laughs> honor. So thank you for that.
2: It is. It is. We were talking before the show. We better have a hair care sponsor somewhere after this show, or I'm <laughs> going to be very
0: disappointed. We need one for sure. I, I introduced you. I, I was in seeing an event and I introduced you, Jim, and I thought this is a big missing thing for a sponsorship. And then a couple of years later, Brant and I were on the same uh, ticket for an event and I thought, this event, both of these <laughs> events really missed the ball by not having a hair sponsor pay for this.
2: It's, that's our mission. Very true. That is our mission. We're going to make that happen because it is true. Somebody is just missing the boat, and we can't be the only ones. But we do have good hair. We're just going to leave it at that. <laughs> and I should say, out of all the things I said that uh, Mike does, he's also a brand-new
0: father. Congratulations, man! Like, very brand. It's uh, it's still interesting to wake up and be like, oh, yes. this. And by wake up, I mean... Be like thrown awake by the screams of this tiny child who wants yes. to be fed at all hours of the day. But it's still like a weird, I don't know, we're three months in and it still hasn't sunk in completely. That, like, oh yeah, I can't just go do whatever I want because. There's a little human who needs
2: me. <laughs> well, and not only that, we were thinking about that on the show. We were like, is it too Is it too early? Is it too fresh right now for him to take 30, 35 minutes away to come do this thing with us? So, again, we thank everybody for being on the show. But really, I think for you trying to carve out a half an hour of some some madness and where you could probably be in bed sleeping. Thanks, brother. We, we really, <laughs> yeah, we really do. appreciate it. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yes, yeah, she,
0: she agreed. She said, you know what? You got to go do it. You got to take one for the team and go talk to her. <laughs> is that what she
2: said? Man, she is developing quick. She's, She's good. <laughs> genius. She's she genius, genius. She is already. So listen, we will have uh, Mike's full bio obviously posted in the show notes, but just a couple of cool highlights I thought that we would pick out. First off, uh, Mike is a trained actor and a coach from the world-famous Second City, I know you know that, and Improv Olympics and, and Upright Citizens Brigade, so he's got that cool, fun background. He's also the uh, former executive producer of TEDx Cambridge, which I thought is amazing, uh, the author of Culture for Dummies. I'm sure we can talk a little bit about that. He hosts his own podcast called The Mic Drop Moment. You see see what he did there, Brant? And I know you know because you've been on his show. You All know, right. some
1: of us have been, uh, had the, 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 blessed fortune to be on that show i know you're you're working your way up there but
2: i am i hope to attain it one day i mean i've known mike longer than you but it's fine i don't harbor any ill will i'm not gonna say he has a favorite but it's not you uh what (laughs) but but there's only two of us (laughs) Mike has also been named a top 30 speaker by Global Guru, and he now teaches storytelling and presence and public speaking, uh, really to some of the biggest names on the planet. We're just so thrilled that he's here, and like we said, we better have a sponsor with uh, I don't know, got to be glued or Aquanet. Do they still sell Aquanet? I don't know. I don't I, know. Listen, I they do still sell Aquanet.
1: They do. I ran out of my preferred brand. <laughs>
2: And you had to go to. I went,
1: that. I'm like, I got to go 80s. I got to go old <laughs> school where I know that uh, that it's not going to move,
2: that I could probably hurt somebody with it. Yes. But it still works. It's still, all right. To I, this day. I'm excited. I'm putting Aquanet in the show notes for sure. Do you so, ever think that when you get on stage, sometimes
0: you're like, I hope there are no pyrotechnics because I am going to go up in flames? Yeah, you are.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. We have to be cautious of that. <laughs> Well, we are so thrilled that you're here. And as you uh, probably can imagine, Mike, and I know you've listened to the show before, we we try and do things a little bit different. We're not doing like this big, long interview format. I mean, really, for our audience, they love hearing great pieces of advice. So we're going to turn it over to you, man. We just want to know, what is your thought that rocks?
0: Thoughts that rock number one. Uh, this This is a quote that was told to me a long time ago. Uh, and it goes like this. No one cares about your perfect performance. What they care about is your perspective, your point of view. So be ruthless and serious about bringing yourself to your work. Hmm.
2: Hmm. So that's interesting. How, how did that, uh, I mean, you said you had heard that before. Where did that come from and, and how did that change your life?
0: So I, a, I, was, I was in an acting class workshop kind of thing in Chicago in my early 20s. And I was, you know, I was auditioning really the job of an actor. People think a lot of times like, Oh, the job of an actor looks so glamorous or, you know, they're trying to get a role. The real thing you have to get good at as an actor. And I think it's something that helped me uh, as a public speaker later is you just have to get really okay with rejection yeah? because that's the job. The job is auditioning. Like your job is not to be a great actor necessarily. I mean, that helps obviously, but your job is to be a really good auditioner and, and I was going on all these auditions, I wasn't getting anything. And this acting teacher said, She's like, Here's the thing, you're so worried about being perfect. You're trying to look and feel and sound perfect. And the thing that they want, outside of, you know, some like class action lawyer commercials that I was booking, I was like always the kid who was like in his dad's car and got in an accident because I looked really young even in my twenties. So I was always like, I smashed dad's car and I got a bad neck, you know, and then the lawyer saved me. So I kept getting those gigs, but I wasn't getting anything like on stage and she said the issue is that there are a lot of really nice beautiful pretty actors what the directors want what a casting agent wants is your opinion your Mm. lived experience your life in this role and that's the difference between Meryl Streep playing uh Lady Macbeth and someone at the local high school playing Lady Macbeth it's not so much that it's acting chops although that helps it's being willing to have a perspective and opinion and then put that into the work. Mm. And it changed me as an actor. And then years later, I mean, it changed the way I, I led a team by not constantly trying to be perfect as a leader and a manager changed the way I wrote a book. It changed the way that I, that I am on stage because you know, I just think that, that at the end of the day, we have to be ruthless. Like she said, ruthless and serious about bringing ourselves to the work we do and that's how you create something epic. That's how you become uh, a, a great public speaker, a great author, is having an opinion. I mean, really, I'm not going to be a fanboy here, but I will for a moment. I mean, that's one of the things I think is so specific and clear about both of you. And, and Jim, I've, I've given you this credit before. You were the first person I ever kind of knew that was like a public speaker. And I thought, mm-hmm. wow, this guy is coming from where I'm coming from, the restaurant training world. And look what he's doing now. And you've always done it by having a clear perspective and opinion point of view and being ruthless about that. And I think that matters a lot. I think it matters a lot today. I think this is what people want. I love it.
1: Thank you. Look at him now. I mean, he has literally sold dozens of books. Dozens. Um, I've made tens of dollars. How do you, I mean, here's the thing for me, Mike, is that like uh, part of what we've always loved about you is you're unabashed authentic self is there Mm -hmm. at all times, at least since we've known you and it might've not been that your whole life, but at at least since, since you've been in our lives, it's something that there's never any pretense. There's never any positioning There doesn't have to be, but it's so countercultural to everything that we, that we see now with everybody putting their best lives, uh, you know, at least for people to see there's so much perception massaging (laughs) um especially in our world in the speaker world nobody wants to to be like hey guess what i'm not working right now because no one's booking gigs everyone's like oh my gosh i had the most amazing time (laughs) with this you know boy scout troop that i just spoke for uh you know there's no it's just crazy how do you encourage people to sort of bring themselves to the table even when it's not pretty in the moment
0: i think i mean first of all thank you for that compliment that means a lot coming from you i think that it's twofold one is about being it you know i there's there's this uh you know that quote like fake it until you make it and i think like throw that away be in it until you are it like that's what i think like Mm. be in it until you are it like
1: Damn Don't it! Try to- that's another thought. <laughs> yeah,
0: that should be episode two. <laughs> yeah, he's got
1: two thoughts. I love huh? that.
0: I'm cheating. I'm cheating. <laughs> um, I always my whole life I've always worried about providing enough value, so I'm trying. I'm trying.
2: <laughs> you're, comp- you're overcompensating <laughs> so- <laughs> now. You're giving us too much.
0: <laughs> I think. It's, I mean, that's why I have this hair. Come on. <laughs> I, think, um, I think it's about what it's about. It's about actually being that for people. So it'd be one thing if I was in front of folks teaching them how to be a standout communicator how to be a standout public speaker and then i was i was filling in some formula of how to do that Mm. and so i think one is being it myself gives people a little bit of freedom to do it as well and i think the other thing is having really good examples i mean there are examples even in in a, a ton of of my speaker friends like both of you who are real people telling their real things and not just up there you know being a jockey of like, here's the seven hacks you need this year, but telling some real stuff from your experiences, which, which I think is for me, the kind of speakers I love is like, let's bring some of your life into it. Mm -hmm. And I think for people doing it, one, it's being around it. So I try to model it. And then two is having examples. And so examples like both of you all examples, even like, like Kelly Clarkson. I mean, sure. She is a mega star with big, big money riding on her personality, but I'd like to believe that like she is actually like that. And so far, the reports, you know, it kind of looks like she is. Oh yeah. And and she's good for being herself. And I think that that's that could be encouraging to people. Yeah. You know?
1: Well, and I think it's the, the sort of the in the opposite side of, of how things are in the world right now with cancel culture and everything that's happening. You've got Ellen on one side who has just been Obliterated this past, you know, four or five months for for supposed you know what what her show behind the scenes looks like. I've read the same thing about James Corden. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like some some of these people who we've grown to love their their public persona. Um, it's hard it's hard to deal with it when you hear that it might not be real, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it's like every. Um, uh, superstar that you meet, you know, a, a hero of yours, whether that's a, a musician or an athlete or, uh, you know, wh- whatever it is that you finally get a chance to meet someone if they're, if they don't sort of live up to what you've built them up to in your head, mm-hmm. it changes sort of everything of how you look at their work and what they do and what they stand for. And so, you know, I would assume that at least on, from my opinion, we have a tendency to connect to, to the ugly, right. To the stuff that, that we all deal with, but nobody wants to, to acknowledge as opposed to my life's awesome. No, my life's awesome. You know, there's not a whole heck of a lot of that going on. <laughs> my life's better. <laughs> it's it's you think day, you're struggling. <laughs> Let me tell you about this. So like when in your sort of, when you're helping others, Mike, uh, sort of come to this stage, do you, encourage them to sort of share those things that we know everybody has to deal with, but maybe no one is is bringing to light for whatever particular
0: reason. Well, there's, there's such an interesting thing about that because there's also this trend of, and you and you hit it right there by saying, you know, the, the challenge of let me race you to the bottom. Also, like I've had more pain. I've had worse things than that. Uh-huh. Let me tell you about this there's also that trend of like, I call it phonerability, like foe and vulnerability together and you've seen it before there' you know they're those speakers or TEDx speakers who they lead with their story they're manipulative uh, totally not actually bothering them any more story to get you on their side and I think that we're really good at detecting that mm-hmm. and so what I encourage people to do is not necessarily to get in front of everyone and say you know i've I've fallen I've fallen let me show you how because sometimes that is dip, that's not interesting to watch and it feels self-indulgent but instead figuring out you know if you're getting in front of your employees and you're going to give your you know your keynote address that's something I've, I've worked with people on you're going to give the end of the year kind of wrap-up especially right now where there's so much truth and, and rawness to be sharing with people from from uh, you know a year of, of mm. COVID to yeah. a series of of dark political time to a series of like social uprising. There's a lot to be honest about. Mm -hmm. And so what I encourage people to do is to figure out what's the truth in there for them. And to share that we don't have to, we don't have to go down into the abyss and say like, let me tell you my story. That's going to make you all cry. That doesn't have to be the case necessarily. (laughs) Yes, Um, For some people that is the case, Yeah, but for a lot of the folks, and probably a lot of the people that are listening, that's, that's probably not even appropriate in a lot of the cases when you're when you're speaking to your team or your employees. But finding a place where you might share some truth with them, that can often be enough. And it doesn't have to be this very self-revealing, self-disclosing story.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's – so when I read this and I read the whole – this idea of nobody cares about your perfect performance, I'll tell you what I think of. It, like the perfect example of this for me is uh, – the Greatest Showman, but not the actual, uh, not the actual movie. The clip that came out of the song "This Is Me" the very first time it's being sung.
2: Actually, when they were practicing, yeah, when practicing. they were
1: practicing yeah. it, they're in the room.
2: Yeah, I remember. It's um,
1: it's it's a, a read through pretty much, and mm-hmm. there this is the first time that it's being performed. And I literally, I've got goosebumps just thinking about it. It is not perfect.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It is full of emotion. And it's hard to not watch that and be moved when mm-hmm. there's so much of, of real life emotion brought to the table from a woman's perspective of, of singing this song. And, and you listen to the lyrics and there's such a connection of head and heart that... Um, it's just nuts. I would much rather watch that over and over and over again than, than Barbara Streisand singing a perfect song every single time. No offense to Barbara, but it's one of those things that you get, a you know, in, in the music world, we say it's got a little bit of hair on it. You know um, mm-hmm. you want it to have a little bit of hair on it because that's what makes it real. That's what makes it so connectable for us to be able to go, gosh, I feel that I've I've been there I I understand that emotion and I, you know it's one of those videos that whenever I'm sort of wanting to be moved it's my go-to it's like I, hmm. I, I want to watch that over and over again because it was lightning in a bottle they yeah. literally captured a moment that is so rare that those are that's what I live for every time I step on stage that's that moment that I want to create and and sometimes you hit it and sometimes you don't but the idea of going on and being perfect is such a oh, it makes me want to throw up in my
2: mouth I think you watching that as well one of two things either it made the scene even better when you if you saw it. You know, in the, in the finished product, or maybe you saw the musical. I mean, you may not have even watched it. You only did seen watch. the behind scenes. I watched it. All right, just double checking. Screw you, musicals isn't your thing. I am just double checking. I, it was on a plane, but I watched it. it. Came. It probably was showing right after Cobra Kai. I understand. <laughs> but but if you saw the the movie first and then saw it, it also made it really mm. that much more impactful. Because yeah. now you go again. You would rather watch that flawed, imperfect yeah. version because it just makes the the end. Result yeah. even better, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, I love. Well, that. when you I think do about like show. Go if ahead. you think about like even t- touring musicians, right? Like we love when we go to see like these big artists, and, and you know, someone like like a Taylor Swift or or you know, a maroon five or something like that. These big artists who there's a lot of money on the line and they need to produce the same show every night, essentially. And, and in some cases, they actually have to move exactly the same way. They're going to fall on a trapdoor, or get <laughs> flung <laughs> off the stage or something like yes. happened to paint that time. And one of the things we love is when it feels like there's something unique in the air for us. So yep. when, when Taylor Swift comes to the Staples center, we want it to feel, yes, we want the big production with the, the trap doors and the, the dancing and all of that, but we want something that night to feel like it was just for us at the Staples Center. And I think really brilliant artists do that. I mean, Taylor kind of classically did that in a lot of her tours by having special artists in each city. So like when she was in Texas, Selena Gomez came. When she was in LA, yeah. uh, you know Jennifer Lopez came or whatever. We want that thing that feels like it was just for us. Mm. And I think that as as speakers, as leaders, as executives, yeah. our job is to figure out how to make sure we give that to everybody. And we can't do that if we're worried about perfection uh, of ourselves in front of them.
2: I, I think that is, I think that's a brilliant point. I, I was just thinking about this, you know, brant and I had this whole story about uh, Jordan Harbinger a couple of years ago, but I listened to his show specifically the one with Howie Mandel, I'm not going to share that story for, but <laughs> Please so share ha- that so story. howie Mandel Please. was uh, was on his show, and he talked about um these when he was recording his audiobook, he said the mistakes the the small things where he could have easily gone back and edited it and made it more perfect. He said, I'm leaving those things in there. I think he called them flabels. He goes, I'm going to leave these flables in here because I think people appreciate the fact that it is flawed. And it kind of goes back, Brant, like what you're saying of that, you know, seeing the, the script read through or that one song is fantastic. And I think, you know, we sort of do the same thing here, even on our own podcast shows. We have the ability to go back and edit, mm-hmm. but I think we leave everything in there unless it was really – you know somebody really was running into the room or somebody was ringing the doorbell or something crazy for the most part we want it to be the authentic passionate you know moment and i think that's where that you use the term lightning in a bottle i think you sort of want to keep those same things and if we're going to bust a gut and laugh about something i think people appreciate that right
1: yeah well i think too i mean i go and i think through so what I love is as much as we're talking about this idea of not being perfect and that's not what anyone wants to expect and, and we sort of want to see it. When you have the occasion that something truly happens out of nowhere mm-hmm. and it is perfect, it's like, yeah. oh, my gosh. Right. And I, and I, two things come to mind right away. One is uh, Michael Bublé sitting on stage with the mother saying, "Oh, my son is amazing, and he finally has enough." And he's like, "Fine, bring him up." And yeah. the kid goes to sing, and he's like, "Damn, this kid can really sing!" <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, that reminds me. Or uh, uh, Keith Urban, the, yeah. the video that you use so in good. your talk, right? So he's he's uh, he's up playing. He's in New Hampshire playing at the uh, and, and at Meadowbrook, and this girlfriend uh, holds up a sign and says, "My boyfriend." can my boyfriend play your guitar? Yeah. And so Keith Urban sees it and he's like, all right, yeah, come on up. And the kid grabs a guitar and he doesn't just strum it. He wails and he plays the song. Perfect. Perfect. That like the crowd just loses their mind. So it's such a rare thing (laughs) when, you know, I think the positioning of us wanting to be perfect, um, It rarely happens, but when it does, oh my gosh, it's like, uh, you know, it's colliding. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And Mike, maybe this is a question for you too. I think you said, you know, this particular quote came from your acting teacher, right? Does it then, is there an immediate epiphany and you're like, that's it. I'm going to now just start moving in this direction, not worry about having this perfect performance, but bring my authentic self to everything that I do, particularly with work or, was it something that you felt like you had to work on was a little bit more gradual?
0: It was definitely more gradual because I think that, you know, I, I got this note from her and I was like, okay, yeah, fine. I'll, I'll do that. I'm going to go to my auditions and I'll just be me, uh, which is also not what people want of like, <laughs> you know, cause there's a the question of like when you're being authentic, it's like, there's no real authentic version of you because we have many versions of us the way that we are, with our children is different than the way we are with our uh, siblings, which is different than we are with the clients. Like all of those are the real version of us. They're just different because we have different goals. And so I think I left that and probably, you know, 20, 20 year old me was, you know, thought that meant that I needed to be like real and raw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, And that was probably too much. And I think it took a little while to say what she meant was, when I'm reading the text, when I'm reading the sides for an audition, my job is to say like, what, what would I think in this setting? And what would, what would this person be going through? And what would that look like? Because like one of the things I learned in improv is that really bad comedic, um, cheap comedy, cheap comedy is about making fun of something. Great comedy is about realizing there's truth in something and bringing that to light. And I learned that at second city of like, if you're going to play like a hillbilly, don't play it and judge the character. Play it truthfully. Yes. Play it truthfully. And and, and I didn't years later when I was uh in a leadership role at um I it, it, this pizza place. I I was the head of training and then I became the head of HR and then I became the head of operations and we had grown from like 10 locations to 40 and I I was 29 and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm in charge of 40 40 locations across the country. We've got real private equity money. And I'm supposed to be like getting in front of like the board and presenting. And I did this two days in a row. And the first day I was just so nervous and I wanted everything to be right and perfect. And I thought I was being judged. And I went home that night. And for some reason I thought of this quote and I thought they didn't put me in this role. They didn't choose me over some buttoned up executive like operations director they didn't choose me over that person because they thought i was that person they chose me because they thought something about me worked Mm -hmm. and so i need to come in and i need to be that otherwise they're going to think something's off and so it just shifted the way from there on out that i even led my team that i would lead team meetings you know even small things like that shifted and that was a 10-year gap between her telling me that quote and me using it in like a leadership setting Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. Love it.
2: Well, I will freely admit um, when I've played a hillbilly, I've done a pretty good job. <laughs> it's perfect. But when I tried to play Lady Macbeth, not so much. <laughs> not so much. It was not a perfect performance. I'm just going to not gonna say. so much.
0: I could do. There's this. Uh, you know this? They do that like uh, that Broadway fundraiser where they like flip the roles. So like the male roles are are done by uh, <laughs> yes. women in the. Uh,
2: this would be like a really great i could see this happening for you i could see this happening i'm gonna, I'm gonna sign up i'll buy tickets
1: yes <laughs> uh,
0: we can weave in a sadie hawkins dancer too oh there. gosh <laughs>
1: let's I, just let's just date this podcast yes. uh,
2: we've got people awkward, are like what is that sadie video hawkins. game sadie hawkins? <laughs> exactly <laughs> really we um, nothing but jet love, x he's on this a show great skateboarder <laughs> I, I will say before before we sort of share our thought too i think um Maybe to your quote, uh, I had this great moment that just happened to me. I was doing something, uh, a workshop in Texas for uh, Club Management Association, so they run golf courses basically in, in different states. And, uh, you know, they're pretty buttoned up. There are members there that are spending a a, a ton of money to be a member. And if you're an employee, there's a lot of things that you have to do, obviously, around appearance and and uniform and all that. And I was having a conversation, and maybe to your point, I was doing this workshop of things that I had planned. But there was a perfect window. I had a moment where I just stopped and and threw him a question. said, listen, since we're talking about some of this stuff, I said, how many of you have uh, employees that, that can have tattoos? And there was one guy that did, I and mean, but the, the employees had to be somewhere where they weren't going to be in view of the, of the members of mm-hmm, the guests. Mm-hmm. And so I said, what would happen if you just allowed all of your employees to start having tattoos? I'm not talking about cuss words and naked people or whatever, but there are more people getting inked up than ever before. What would happen? And the first thought was, oh, no, we're going to piss off a bunch of people, or we're going to go out of business, or there'd be anarchy. Think about the people you'd be hiring, blah, 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 right? And after you spend a little bit of time talking about the the companies and brands out there that are now allowing it, they came to the conclusion in about 10 minutes that, oh, my God, if we don't start doing something different in the way that people are, let's say, getting inked up, we're going to run out of humans. Like, there won't be enough people to, to be able to work to fill the positions that we need. And And ultimately, when you ask the question again, they go – I think we'd start having a whole bunch of unique people and a whole bunch of awesomeness that would occur from there. And I I just use that story because I think it goes back, Mike, to what you're saying is y- you got to think differently about this, and you can't see me doing air quotes, as perfect performance. If you started being ruthless and serious about allowing people also to bring themselves to the party, mm. and they're going to be a little bit different. You know, rock stars, they come with baggage, mm. but they also come with a whole bunch of awesomeness. And I think those are the organic moments that just sort of presented themselves for us as speakers. I think those are, those are cool moments that they're going to never forget. Right. Yeah. So I'm looking for opportunities like that now, more than the polished perfect keynote. Like if there's a moment to have that discussion, like we get a chance to do on the podcast, it's just, it's fun. Well, it leads to exactly
1: what we wanted to share, which is this, it goes beyond the performance, right. And, and this idea of being perfect. So our thought this week, uh, Mike comes from Brene Brown and mm. uh, uh, who we love of course but th- I think this is the first time we've ever used the Brene Brown quote in really? a year and a half yeah I don't think we've used her before you've talked Maybe about once. her before I've talked she's about definitely
2: it. your spirit animal
1: she is yeah. <laughs> apologies to the indigenous people yes, <laughs> who- <laughs> yes but yes um, so her, her quote is this
2: Oh step rock number two
1: Because true belonging only happens when we present our authentic, imperfect selves to the world, our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. And this is Mm. what I think is super important, Mike, of what you have shared. It's not so much that, let's say that we finally wrap our heads around being okay with being imperfect. It's not just about that self-acceptance, it's about giving other people that opportunity to belong to that moment in such a powerful way that it can change their life. And that to me is is why it's so important to embrace the imperfection, is that there's, there's more at stake than your perfect performance. It's mm. what's at stake is the opportunity For belonging to happen. And when that happens, I just knowing that. So, so in the, the black sheep values, uh, uh, assessment that we've had thousands of people take, we know the number one, the number one value by a 50% margin is connection. And so when you allow yourself to be imperfect in that moment, you give people a chance to connect and feel like they belong. Mm -hmm. And that I think is what's incredibly important. The other side of what we don't even think about, you know, we think about either right or it was either good or bad performance. Right. And we're thinking about how, how good or how bad, but what we're not thinking about is there's this opportunity for people to have that sense of belonging to that moment. Um, that can really honestly uh, change their perspective of, of not just what's happening in that moment, but give them the confidence to do the same the next time they have that opportunity. Have you found Mike, that when you really expose yourself vulnerably in that way that, that people experience that sense of belonging?
0: I think that, I think, yes. When I know for myself and even like people I've worked with, when it's done with the interest of what you just said, when it's done in the interest of connecting and having a shared experience, then I think that that really does happen. You know, when you you open up and you share something you've gone through, not to simply say, look what I've gone through, isn't it impressive, but to say, look what I've gone through. Have you ever had something like that too? That I think is the moment when on stage something beautiful happens Mm. uh even in in your case brent i've I've seen you deliver a keynote and the story that you share about your son uh is impressive right it's a great story and it's told well but there's also a lot of opportunities where you invite that audience in and say maybe this same exact thing didn't happen to you but something like it has hasn't it and who were you in that moment and who do you want to be and that is that critical connection moment that happens cuz mm. like when someone's an astronaut you know we 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 have uh, the three of us in our, our speaker <laughs> friends probably in our phone we have an astronaut we probably have a, a mount everest person you've yes. got you know all of those things those stories are really hard for them audiences need them to be both impressive and relatable because if it's just impressive if you've just like conquered all the things and you climbed the mountain that's hard for me as an audience to to get anything from, to connect to you, because you're just impressive. And this this goes back to my earlier comment of someone like Kelly Clarkson. She, she has to be both impressive and relatable. Otherwise, it's just kind of untouchable. And it doesn't feel the same as if there's something in there we can say, oh, you know what, me too. I have had that too. Now this really impressive person on stage telling a story or singing a song, they're like me. And that, you can't buy that. You can't buy that relationship.
2: So so how do you, in the work that you do, when you're talking about storytelling, how do you maybe use, not necessarily this exact quote, but this concept? Is it like you're saying when you're talking about, you know, if you're going to share a story, knowing that that's probably the best thing you could ever do in a talk ever, if not a couple of those, but how you do that is to what make it relatable to the audience. And part of that is you got to be true to the story, true to yourself, you know that is a part of the belonging in the way that you tell the story like i'm i'm grasping at straws but i want to know like how how could you use this in your storytelling approach
0: yeah the the easiest way is to go smaller we tend to think even if someone out there is listening to this and you're interviewing for a new position you're interviewing for a new job you're you're putting a proposal up for a new idea that you want to launch and you're putting a story in there what we tend to think on stage, in boardrooms, on podcasts, we tend to think that we need to go really big. Mm -hmm. That we need when someone says, you know, when you're gonna tell a story about something, that it needs to start at birth and lead to this moment right here where we're (laughs) in front of each other. Yeah. But the reality is if you think about most if you think about a song, that's often a really small moment blown up. Mm. If you think about a movie, that's usually a small period of time in someone's life blown up. And what do they do in that blown up part? Well they let us in on their inner monologue. They let us know what they were thinking. They let us know what the stakes were for them. And I find that when someone is working on a story that they want to tell on stage and in an interview process, just to have in their, their coffers for media opportunities, like like being on the show with you guys, the more that you can think down smaller to, to like hone in in the story to a moment, and then we can go from there that's almost always going to lead to something really good and juicy for the audience. And if you think about some of your favorite songs, uh, I, and I'm really, I'm really riding this Kelly Clarkson horse. To yeah, me. you are. But if you think Since about been I, gone. I'm just kind of praying that she's the next person that calls me after I'm on Thoughts That Rock. She's going to hear this and be like, I need him on the Kelly Clarkson show. So
2: yes. We'll connect the two of you. Yes,
0: <laughs> she has, I mean, if anyone was going to be able to, I knew it was you. Uh, she has this song called um, Peace by Peace, mm. and it's about her dad leaving her when she was a little girl and and then, you know, not trusting men and then finding her husband and knowing that he would never do the same thing to to the child. And what makes it what makes it clear, which is the same as every great song that we love, is the specificity. The, the locks of auburn hair in Jolene are so specific. Mm. That's what we want in stories. Uh, well, told. Mm-hmm.
2: Love that. You know, I maybe took the quote a little bit different because, you know, I think when we feel out of place and all of us have been there probably in in social circles, I don't know, Brent, maybe you haven't, but I certainly have, you feel like you don't belong. You feel like you're left out. You know, you, you sort of have to, you have this moment where you sit back and you reflect and go, am I not conforming? Am I not part of the group or is this Mm. just the way that I am? And I know a lot of people will go through sort of that mentality and I guess, my question might be at that moment, are we, are we being ourselves, or would we maybe not even be in the situation if we had been ourselves before we got into the situation? And I, so I'm, I'm trying to think of a, a, a I know it sounds like I'm going in circles here. Here's I'm being transparent here. <laughs> okay. I'm a, I'm a non drinker. Yep. So my whole life, I've never had a drop of alcohol. I've lived a pretty fun rock and roll edutaining, you know, lifestyle, but I go to a lot of parties and, and sometimes not invited to a lot of parties because I'm just, I am just I just don't drink, but I like being designated driver. I think about all the money that I saved. I think about the fact that I remember every weekend of my life, you know, I, I look at all the pros in the thing, but in those moments where I'm uncomfortable, where everybody is sloshed around me, right? Or maybe somebody that I was dating is completely drunk and I go, I put myself in this situation. So am I being my authentic self because it could have been a whole lot easier to conform and just say i'll have a drink or i'll have a drink that looks like a drink because i want to be part of the group or do i get super comfortable with myself and i i'm proud i just say no thanks i'm a non drinker and i and i sort of stay to to you know thinking about are there other people that maybe are in that group that think geez that's pretty cool i don't necessarily need to conform and so it's just my way of thinking you know, when we feel like we're out of place, you know, it, it's it's okay if you look at Brene Brown's quote and say, you know, if I truly want to belong, I don't have to belong. I can be myself. That's mm-hmm. kind of what she's saying in there, right?
1: Mm-hmm. I think so. I, you know, I go back to, um, um, you know, we had a song called Belong mm-hmm. uh, that, that uh, Big Kettle Drum wrote years and years and years ago. And, and the lyrics, uh, in one of the verses say, uh, you dyed your hair and wore the trends and took them off before someone could label you. You voted left and envy, right. You took a stand and hid behind a point of view. You're tired now and want to change, leave the masks and let the, let your face enjoy the light, but fear controls your every move and forces you back to living black and white. Mm. And, and it's this idea mm. like it. that, you know, our, our fear of being exposed, good or bad, right? Mm-hmm. Whether that's you don't drink or whether that's um, maybe somebody drinks too much mm-hmm. <laughs> and they want to hide that fact. You know, um, one of the things we love about Melissa Wiggins is her openness of her, you know, struggling with alcoholism and how she overcame that and how, you know, she's been uh, very vocal in in. Not being able to find answers at the bottom of a wine glass, yeah, um, and and that is uh, uh, to me again, it allows people and uh, gives people that sense uh, and chance to belong, no matter what side you're on, whether whether you go that is where I'm at right now, or whether you go, I never want to be there, yeah, yeah, <laughs> on, on either <laughs> uh, on either direction, but you know, I I, I think that we'll just th- our need to belong. Uh, as a human is, is the highest, you know, it's, it's, Maslow's top of the, of the hierarchy, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. this, we need to have this sense of belonging and, and um, being a part of something larger than ourselves. And so, I, you know, I, I, that's where I come back to always with it to me, the best times when I am speaking, when I am just hanging out with friends, it's when there's that sense of belonging, Period. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's why we gravitate towards hanging out with people who do what we do because it's it's a niche. It's yeah. weird. It's weird if you don't make your living doing this, then people are like, "What are you talking about?" But that sense it's of belonging easy. and the chance for us to share both, you know, the the ugliness and the in the victories, mm-hmm. is what keeps us tight. Yeah, and if the hair is
2: high, it's even better. That's how I look at <laughs> it. Like, it's like icing it, on the it's, cake.
0: <laughs> it's like one of those interesting things of even saying it's recognizing that 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 flawed part that feels flawed that feels that way in front of them like even then you still belong and it doesn't mean that it has to be okay it doesn't mean that there's parts of you that feel not good and not it doesn't mean that those have to be okay it's just that they are and that it's okay for them just to be that way Mm -hmm. you know and that is like a really a uh, really kind of amazing way to feel. And I think that's how, you know, like in a great marriage and a great friendship, it's how you feel like, Oh yeah. All my little broken bits, all my little flaws, I bring them here and we don't have to pretend that they don't matter and that they're not broken and that they're not flawed, but it's okay. Even that they are. Mm. And that to me is like, that's really belonging of like I brought on my baggage and you're yeah. cool with it.
2: Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Where I know, uh, with uh, mic drop moment, I know that that show is uh, off to the races. You've got several underneath your belt now. Um, I, I don't know what's next for you, but where at least can people check out the things that you're doing? Whether they want to buy your book, uh, Culture for Dummies, or check out the podcast, where can we send people?
0: Yeah, I'm easy to find once you figure out how to spell Ganino. I'm <laughs> the one that pops up, so that's just G A N I N O. And if you type Mike Ganino, the great thing about a name like that, I'm the one you're going to get. You're right, You you're uh, type that in, you'll find me on all the all the podcasting places easily. Uh, mikeganino.com, you'll get me there. Um, you'll get me on all the socials. So, I'm easy to I'm easy to find.
2: I love it. I love it. Fantastic. Yeah, your SEO strategy is probably easy. We should take out the word ganino out of all of our website stuff <laughs> and just let mike ride. That's it. That was it. Awesome. Dude, we, we can't thank you enough. Uh, like we said, we've been trying to do this for just a few months. And I knew here coming up at the end of the year was a great opportunity to have you on the show. And you're just, we love you being your authentic self. And hopefully you're getting a little bit of sleep these days with uh, the little one. And I'm sure she's keeping you busy. But, dude, taking 30, 35 minutes is just been an honor, y- you being on the show. So thank you for that.
0: Thank you for having me.
2: Thanks, brother. We love you, man. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, Rockstars, thanks so much
1: for tuning in. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode.
2: Yeah, and if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, whether as a webinar for a virtual event or in person as a conference keynote, contact us directly at thoughtsthatrock.com. Until next
0: time, rock, rock on. on.